and and Happy New Year. We have just exited 2020 and entered 2021. And I don't know about you, but I am really glad that 2020 is over, finally. Right? That feels good to say, right? 2020 is gone. It's been quite a year. A global pandemic, racial conflict, a contentious election. And for many of us, isolation, job loss, and personal tragedy. 2020 has, has been a year. But before we wash our hands and move on from this hard season, I want us to sit for a second. Just, just sit. And to take a look back and really think. See, the, the changing of the year is a time for reflection. <clears throat> and given the year that we're leaving, I want us to think on this question. What did 2020 teach us? What did 2020 teach us? What did it teach us about ourselves? How did we handle this year? What were we able to endure? How did we react to stress and confusion? What did 2020 teach us about our world? How do we treat each other in the face of trials? What brings us together and what divides us? In other words, the question that I'm asking right now is what kinds of temptations do we face in hard times, in the wilderness? This is important to ask, especially when we're coming out of hard times. Often, when a new year starts, when we start to see the promised land, when we're, when we're finally out of the woods, it's easy to just move on to not think about it, to not want to revisit the past. But, but hard times, all they are is just hard times if all you do is move on. And yet hard times, they can become opportunities, opportunities to learn if you just take the time to listen, to ask God what he wants us to see, what he's been trying to show us in a year like 2020. Well, that is all we're gonna learn, that is, is exactly what we're gonna be learning from this chapter today out of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter four. Our passage today is Christ's temptation in the wilderness. Christ's temptation in the wilderness. For many of you, this is a familiar story with some simple lessons. I've, I've heard it preached so many times in my life and, and sometimes the lesson is don't listen to the devil or resist temptation. Memorize scripture, don't test God, don't worship idols. And don't get me wrong, these are all good and true lessons. But Bridge, there was a whole lot more to this passage. There was a whole lot more to this passage. And I think even just zooming out, I have it right open right here, Matthew chapter four, zooming out and just looking at it, I can see that there are all these quotes all throughout, peppered all throughout. And that is, that is our clue that there is something going on here, that there's more here than just this one chapter. See, in this chapter, 
Christ will be quoting extensively from the book of Deuteronomy. He will be bringing us back, a flashback, all the way to the story of Israel's time in the wilderness, of Israel's time in hardship, Israel's 2020. And from that, we're gonna learn how we should face wilderness by how Christ faced wilderness. In this passage, we're gonna be offered three temptations. We're gonna be led through that, three temptations. And with each temptation, we're going to see what the temptation is, how Israel was tempted in the same way, and how Christ succeeded where Israel failed. With that, I want us to read now from Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. Please receive this word from God. Starting in verse one. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, again, it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord. Our passage today starts off with a little bit of background. In verse one and two, Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So who are we talking about here? First, Jesus, who is he? Last week, if you remember, Pastor Brandon, he led you guys through chapter three of this book. Chapter three, the baptism of Christ. And in that chapter, the heavens, they opened up and the spirit of the Lord descended and a voice cried out from heaven, this is my beloved son. With him, I am well pleased. Who's Jesus? He is the son of God. And the same spirit that descended upon him is now with him, leading him into the wilderness, leading him there. This is God's intention that Christ would go into the wilderness, go into this hard time. And there, there, we see some of the first resonances, the first parallels with Israel's story. Christ, the son, is in the wilderness. I want us to look back at Deuteronomy 131. There we see that Israel was like a son to God in the wilderness. In Deuteronomy 1, 
Verse 31, it says, And in the wilderness, where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Already, already in just setting up the scene, we see something is about to happen. Jesus is about to live where Israel failed, to go and walk in the footsteps of Israel, but to succeed where they failed. And there, in the wilderness, Christ will also face a temptation. He will come against the devil, that old tempter, the same tempter who tempted the first man, Adam, in the garden. Now here, he is tempting the second man, the second Adam, Jesus, in our passage. Who is this devil? What do we know about him? It's plain and simple. First John 5.19 tells us, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The power of the evil one. In other words, who is Christ coming up against here in the wilderness? The king of this world. This is no small scene right here in chapter four. This right here is a cosmic battle between the king of this world, Satan, and the king of heaven, the son of God, Jesus Christ, the second Adam. And what happens here? Well, what happens here is very important. There is a lot at stake in what we're about to see. And so without further ado, I want to take us into the temptations, starting in verse 3, the first temptation. And the tempter came and said to him, to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. I don't know about you, but this is not a temptation that I have ever had to face. I have personally never been tempted to turn stones to bread because, quite frankly, I don't have that power. I've been tempted with hunger. I have hungered quite often. <laughs> Every day of my life, it's, and it just it happens. Um, but I don't have the same temptation that Christ has here. I don't have the temptation to turn these stones into loaves of bread. But Christ... See, he is the son of God, and in the fullness of his godliness, in the fullness of his divinity, he did have that power. And so what is the temptation here? What what would have been the big deal? Why, Why didn't Jesus just feed himself? Why didn't he just turn these stones to bread? To understand what's going on here, We need to look at how Christ responds in verse four. This is our first quote from Deuteronomy. Verse four. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I've heard this verse preached many times before. And many times the point is that if you ever face temptation, You make sure that you have some scripture memorized. That'll show the devil. Now, again, I'm not knocking that. Definitely memorize scripture. And when Satan comes knocking, definitely, definitely employ the word of God. But 
I think there's more going on than just that. I've also heard this verse preached as if it's saying that food is not as important as knowing the Bible. And that is definitely true. The word of God is much more valuable than anything you put into your mouth. But Bridge, I want us to look deeper than even this. It all comes, it all lies in the fact that Jesus he is not just pulling these words from thin air. He is quoting from Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8. If, if you can, if you, if you have the time, put your thumb here in Matthew 4 or stick a piece of paper there and flip with me back to Deuteronomy 8. We're going to be looking at two chapters there, two passages from a very important sermon delivered by Moses himself to the Israelites as they were leaving the wilderness and entering the promised land. As they were leaving 2020 and entering 2021, as they were coming out of hard times and going into good times, this passage from Deuteronomy, it informs us what Israel was supposed to learn in the wilderness and what Christ succeeds in doing there. So Deuteronomy 8, it says this, starting in verse 2. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Jesus is quoting, and he's talking specifically. He's quoting this to bring us back to this episode in Israel's history, an episode that we actually covered this year. When we went through Exodus, do you remember that? When we preached through that. Think back to that story. Think back to an Israel, Israel, who had known nothing but slavery and oppression and exploitation. Israel, who had known nothing but the boot of their oppressors on their back. Israel, suddenly, free. Free. And in the wilderness, Israel had been set free from their chains, and God had mightily delivered them from out of bondage and slavery and brought them out of Egypt and into the wilderness. It was there that Israel, Israel who had known God's salvation there, that they started to hunger and to thirst. And they didn't know what was going on. They were running out of supplies and they saw their kids and they were hungry and they were thirsty. And they started to wonder, the Israelites, what's God playing at? What's, what's his game? Can we really trust God and really that was the big question in the story of Israel. Is God to be trusted or not? Is God to be trusted or not? After all, the Israelites were hungry because of him, right? If it hadn't been for him, they would have been in Egypt by, by the food, by the pots of meat. They would not be here out in the desert with, with nothing in their bags. Is this just some sick joke 
Did God bring them out into this wilderness to kill them with hunger? Could God, could a good God really let you and your families hunger and thirst and suffer this way? Is God still with Israel in the middle of the wilderness? Is God with us in hard times in 2020? But I want to say right now that yes, God is still good, even in 2020. And he leads us through the wilderness, through the hard times for a reason. Many of us experienced loss this year. Lost jobs, lost businesses, lost dreams, lost sleep, lost health, lost friends, lost family. And hear me right, I don't want to minimize that pain or that loss, the reality of that hunger. But I also don't want us to forget that even in the midst of that pain, even in the middle of our wilderness, God has provided. God is still good. See, the Israelites, they hungered, they felt the pain of starvation, but look at what God did over here in Deuteronomy. When Israel cried out in the wilderness, when they grumbled against Moses and against God, when they accused God of being nothing but a cruel enemy, how did God respond? He fed them with manna. He rained down bread from heaven for 40 years, food that they didn't earn or buy or grow. Our passage tells us that God did this to teach Israel that man does not live by bread alone. In other words, it's not the food that keeps you alive. You might work, but you are not ultimately the breadwinner. You don't keep yourself alive. No, instead, man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Bridge. God speaks, we eat. Every meal we enjoy is a gift from God. It's why we thank God before we eat. Because God is our steadfast provider. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God wanted Israel to know this. He wanted their hearts to grasp this lesson. It's why he brought them in the wilderness, that they might know that in hard times, God has not left us. In hard times, God is teaching us to rely on him. But Israel did not trust God. Israel did not trust God for bread. They grumbled against him. They did not think that he would provide for them. And so what is the temptation that Christ is really facing here when Satan is asking him to turn these stones into loaves of bread? The temptation is really this. Jesus, will you trust God to provide? And that is really a hard question, isn't it? We're not... Not, I mean, myself personally, I am not given the opportunity to turn stones into bread. That is not a temptation I face, but I am tempted. I was tempted all throughout 2020 with this question. Will I trust God to provide? And guys, I look around at our society and I think this was a very common temptation. I mean, just look, remember, think back to March, to those first days of the pandemic. What was everyone doing? We were going to the grocery store and we were buying bags of rice and, and toilet paper. We were prepping, right? We were trying to make sure that we had everything we need because 
maybe there wouldn't be anything in a couple weeks. Or, or we were watching the news and trying to keep a tab on everything and make sure that we knew exactly what was going to happen with this virus. We wanted control. We wanted control. We turned to all these things in our lives, trying to make sure that we would have a hold on what was happening. But we didn't trust God. At least I didn't. At least I didn't. But look at how Jesus responds to Satan. Look at that first word. Man does not live by bread alone. Satan, he asks Christ, if you are the son of God. In other words, he's calling into question Christ's divinity. But Jesus isn't going to play Satan's game. He doesn't try to prove to the devil that he is the son of God. Instead, he declares the truth about what it means to be truly man. And Jesus was truly man. And man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes in the mouth of God. In other words, to be truly human is to be truly dependent. And Jesus understood that. And so in the wilderness, even though he was hungry, even though he hadn't eaten or drank anything for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus decided that he would depend on the Lord's provision that he would truly trust God where Israel failed. That he would put all his strength, all his hope in God. He remembered that when God speaks, we eat. Israel did not trust God for bread, but Christ knew that bread comes from God alone. Our second temptation today, temptation number two. Satan's next temptation is a bit more insidious than the first. Because in this temptation, he's going to use scripture to tempt Jesus. He's going to twist a psalm of all things. He takes Jesus up to Jerusalem and then to the highest point on the temple. And in verse 6, he says to Christ, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now this is another temptation that at face value doesn't seem to be all that relevant to us. I am afraid of heights. And so I am rarely tempted to even climb tall buildings, much less jump off of them. There is no part of me that wants to test and see if God will send an angel to keep me from splatting on the ground. So what is the temptation here? What is the devil doing here? Well, if the first temptation was challenging Christ's humanity, trying to see if Christ would really be human and really depend on God, this second temptation is challenging Christ's sonship, his relationship to the Father. The first temptation wanted to know, Christ, will you be truly human? And this temptation is questioning Christ. Christ, does God really love you? Is God really on your side? And the devil's method here is something he's been doing since the beginning, taking God's words and twisting them around. Here, Satan quotes from Psalm 91. And I have the fuller quote for you here. From Psalm 91, starting in verse 9. 
starting in verse nine, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all their ways. On their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. In other words, Satan's saying, Jesus, don't you know your Bible? If you throw yourself down, God's angels will get you. You won't even stub your toe. And essentially what he's saying with this is, if God really loves you, Jesus, if you really are a son to him, then he won't let you get hurt or suffer, right? That's not something God lets his children do. Satan's taking the truth that God will protect his people, and he's twisting that to say that God will never let us go through hard times. Now, this is actually a very common, very common misunderstanding. I've seen Christians use Psalm 91 in this way all the time, the same way as Satan. We'll say to each other, look, God loves us, so you, don't worry. You won't have to face any hardship whatsoever. God loves you, so that biopsy won't come back positive. That check won't bounce. You, you won't get laid off. This is a a, a positive-thinking hallmark brand of Christianity that has no room for suffering. And that, as we see here, unwittingly agrees with the devil. The danger should be obvious. If you believe that nothing bad will ever happen to those who God loves, then what do you do when inevitably something bad happens to you? What do you do when a year like 2020 comes around? How do you make sense of that? I've seen this happen to a lot of people. When things are going good, it's easy to trust God. But the moment things take a downturn, you feel like God's abandoned you. You lose your faith. And if you think about it, this kind of belief is exactly what Israel had in the wilderness. It's exactly what Israel had in the wilderness. Jesus, he calls us back to that story. he brings us back to a flashback. In verse seven, Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He's quoting here again, again from Deuteronomy, this time from chapter six. If you have Deuteronomy open, look with me there at verse 16. The full verse, the full quote is this. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. As you tested him at Massa. Now, what happened at Massa? Well, see, God had given Israel manna, and they'd been eating this bread, and that was all great, but then the people got thirsty. And so once again, Israel started to wonder, is God on our side? Sure, he brought us out of Egypt. Sure, he he fed us with bread. But what good is all of that if we just die of thirst? It's like God, he sold us a car with new tires and a solid transmission, but the engine won't even start. Have we been duped? Has God sold us a lemon? So the Israelites, they cried out, 
Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? God, why did you try to kill us? What are you doing right now, God? Couldn't you have just left us alone? This is terrible. That's how Israel responded to hardship, to thirst. Israel hadn't learned their lesson. They hadn't learned the trust that God would provide. Even though God had delivered them, even though God had fed them with bread from heaven, they didn't even ask him if, they would, if he would provide. But in spite of that, in spite of their stubborn hearts, God gave them water, and it was the sweetest water they'd ever tasted. But the lesson didn't stick. They didn't learn to trust God. And so Exodus 17 tells us, and he called the name, Moses called the name, of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord. See, God was testing them, but they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? Is God with us? Is God on our side? Does God love us? At Massa, when Israel was thirsty, they accused God of being their enemy, of taking them out into the wilderness to kill them and their children with thirst. Is the Lord among us or not? Is God really with us? Because if he were, would we be thirsty? If God was with us, would we be in hardship? If God really loved us, would he let a year like 2020 happen to us? See, Israel was testing God. Israel doubted that God would provide. And because of that, they missed out on the incredible rest, the infinite peace that comes from knowing that we are safe and secure in our Savior's hands. But the truth was, God had never abandoned them. No, he was bringing them into the wilderness to teach them to trust him, to depend on him. God was teaching them. I think... I think so often of how little kids are when they don't get what they want. When they are deprived of the thing that they want the most, this toy or that snack, or their parents when they're asleep in their rooms. And in those times, you wonder what's going on in the kid's head. Has, has dad or mom left me alone? Do they still love me? Have they abandoned me? And the answer is never, never that. The answer is that mom and dad, they are not giving you this toy. They are not giving you this snack. They are not there with you in the bedroom at night because they want you to learn something. Because they want to train you to trust them. Because they want you to know that now is not the time for that. Israel did not learn that lesson. Israel did not learn that God had not abandoned them. Israel faced the same temptation that Christ did, the temptation to trust whether God was really with them or not, and they failed. And I feel, I feel like in 2020, I failed in the same way. Many of us did. How many of us felt like God had left us? How many of us despaired? or were anxious, or felt abandoned? How many of us wondered where God was, what he was doing? But Christ, he doesn't test God. 
He doesn't test God. He doesn't wonder, is the Lord among us or not? He doesn't wonder if God loves him. He knows. The last passage, God himself told him, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Where Israel failed, Christ succeeded. Where Israel felt like God had abandoned them, Christ understood that God was well pleased with him, even in the midst of hunger and thirst. And so Christ responds in verse seven, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And what Jesus means by that is that unlike Israel, unlike Israel, he was certain of his relationship with the Father, certain that no suffering could make him doubt God's love. See, Christ did not avoid suffering. He understood that God had a purpose in it, that God would not leave him to hunger, would not leave him to suffer, would not even leave him in the grave. God would raise Christ up from his final suffering, from his final wilderness, and in so doing, conquer death itself. And so while Israel in the wilderness failed to believe God loved them in the midst of suffering, even seeing God as their enemy, Christ, the true Israel, the true man, the true and better Adam would not ever question Father's love. Temptation number three, starting in verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Now folks, Satan wasn't just blowing smoke here. Remember who he is. Remember what we said at the beginning of this time. He is the king of this world. The whole power lies, in the, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So when he says, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me, he really could have made good on his promise. This was actually a pretty serious offer. Christ could have become Satan's right-hand man, answering to no one except the devil. He could have received all authority on earth, and he wouldn't even have to die on the cross to get it. <laughs> I often wonder how I'd do in the face of a temptation like this. Imagine what I could do if every president of every nation had to listen to me. If I could call the shots. Think of all the good I could accomplish. Now, I hope the danger in this temptation is obvious to you. Satan, he can offer you power, but he cannot offer you anything good. All good things come from God alone. And so what is this temptation here? The temptation is, will you turn to other sources of provision? Will you turn to something else other than God? In 2020, this was maybe the most common temptation for all of us. In quarantine, with nothing to do, in hopeless times, with no other hope, what did you turn to? you turn to distractions, endless Netflix binges? Did you turn to human authorities, experts on the news who were telling you when exactly this virus would end or how you could survive? Did you turn to the government, to electoral candidates, elected officials, presidents? Did you hope that they would solve all this for you? None of those sources, 
None of those things, as helpful as they may be, as good as they may be in moderation, none of them could save you. Only God could. And Jesus understood that. And so in verse 10, he said to Satan, be gone. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. What is happening here? What is Christ calling us back to? Again, he is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter six, this time in verses 10 through 15. And I will read that for you right now. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. In other words, when 2020 is over, when 2021 gets under full swing, when this vaccine comes out and the virus is gone, when, when all of your political problems are, 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 are disappeared. Don't forget the Lord your God. Don't forget that every blessing comes from him. Don't think that you did this by your hand or, or that somebody else did. Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. For the Lord your God is in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from the face of the earth. Don't forget God. Don't forget God in good times when the hard times are done. Remember that he alone provides. It's the same lesson in the hard times and in the good times. And in the hard times, the dangers that we start thinking that God has abandoned us, the dangers that we grumble and fail to trust that God is our provider and that he will provide just as he has always provided. But in the good times, the danger is the same. The danger is that we forget that God is the provider. The danger is that we stop relying on him and we start mistakenly thinking that it's our hard work and our skill that has earned us our blessings. Or else we think that other things gave us this, all the idols in our lives, all the things that you place your hope and your trust in. But bridge, don't imagine for a second that idolatry is not an issue today. We are constantly putting our trust in false gods that cannot save us but we are called to worship the Lord our God and him only shall we serve. All blessings come from God. And that is why it is so wrong to give credit to anything else, to worship or serve any other God. See, Israel, they failed miserably at this. Israel forgot that God was the one who saved them. The moment they entered the promised land, within a generation, they turned from God. They went after the gods of the people around them. They forgot that God was the one who saved them. And tragically, this resulted in their exile. This resulted in them being cast from the promised land. But where Israel failed, Christ succeeded. 
where Israel turned again and again to idolatry and demon worship, Christ would worship God alone. <clears throat> Christ put an end to these temptations, saying, be gone, Satan, saying, it is, for, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. He didn't believe for a second that Satan could give him anything good. He realized that to give in to the devil's temptation would be to not trust God would be to jeopardize this entire mission that he was sent on. Christ would not bow down to Satan. Instead, he would be lifted up on a cross. But because of his faithfulness, because he trusted in God alone, God the Father would raise Christ from the dead. And at the end of Matthew, we are told that all authority in heaven on earth is given to Christ. Christ understood that true blessedness comes from God alone. And so while Israel in the wilderness failed to worship God, turning to other gods, Christ is the true Israel, the true man, the true and better Adam. Let's serve the Lord God alone. In 2020, what did we learn? In 2020, we were reminded that hard times come, that this life is full of suffering that it's not always easy to trust God in the middle of that, and, that we sh- and yet that we should. It's not always easy to trust that God loves us, and yet he does. It's not always easy to, pr- to trust that God is going to provide everything we need, and yet think back on 2020. Count the blessings that you have. What has God provided for you? Countless, endless good even in the middle of suffering. Never for a second, Bridge, feel like God has abandoned you, like he's left you on your own, like he's left you. The truth is that we think that so often, that we are all just like Israel. We have all of us failed to trust that God will provide, failed to believe that he is really with us, failed to realize that good things come from him alone and not from any other source. But in Christ's response to Satan, in Christ's resisting of these temptations, in Christ's full trust in God, Christ showed us what it means to truly be a human, to truly be Israel, to truly be God's people. If we want to be like Christ, we need to depend on God for everything. If we want to be like Christ, we need to understand that God is with us in the midst of suffering. If we want to be like Christ, we need to remember that all blessings come from God alone and so that he alone is worthy of our worship. But Christ did more than just give us an example. Christ himself fulfilled our need. Christ wasn't just perfect human. He was perfect God. Not only true human, but true God. Christ, see, he satisfies our hunger and our thirst. Later on in this book, we will see that Christ will take people out into the wilderness and he will feed them with bread. And not only that, but Christ declares that he himself is the bread of life and the living water. Christ will show us that in our suffering, God has not abandoned us, for Christ is Emmanuel, God himself with us, and he has suffered on our behalf. 
And Christ has made a way for us to lay hold of every blessing and to offer up true worship by giving us access to the Father himself. Bridge in our wilderness, in our hard times, yes, even in 2020, we can have every confidence that God has not left us alone because God has sent the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, to do what we could not do, to trust where we could not trust. And praise God that the Son of Man is also the Son of God, that in him we have every blessing, that in him we have the bread of life, the living water. We have manna from heaven. This is a God we can trust. This is a God worth trusting even in 2020. This is a God we're trusting in 2021. So Bridge, put all your hope in him. Put all your faith in God. Be like Christ in the wilderness, but more than that, trust in the Christ who is willing to come down, suffer in the wilderness, die on our behalf, and be raised up on the third day to rule and to have all authority in heaven and earth. Trust in Jesus Christ, our God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that in the hard times in the wilderness in 2020, you did not abandon us, even when it felt like it. God, I thank you. I thank you that you have sent your son to do what we could not do, to succeed where we failed, God, and to give us to give us a sure and tangible sense of your presence with us, to give us a visible representation of your provision, that you have not left us alone, that you see us in our hunger, in our thirst, in our suffering, in our anxiety, in our stress, God, and you do not leave us in that, God, but you send your son to not only suffer with us, but to be our food and our drink, to be our salvation. God, teach us to put all our hope in him. Teach us to rest in your son. Lord, when the devil comes along and tempts us to despair, tempts us to go away and go to other gods, tempts us to question whether you are really with us, tempts us to not trust in you, Lord, give us the strength, give us the vision to see that your son is the only thing, the only one that we can put our hope in. God, we confess that we have turned away, that we have turned to other things. But now we commit 2021 to you. We give you this year, Lord. We surrender it. We lay it at your feet. God, make this the year that we demonstrate to the whole world that our God is a God that we trust in, that we can trust in, who is worthy of our trust. Give us a hope in you. We pray all this in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ.